Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Tristan Nunez, driver of the 7-0 Skyactive Mazda prototype, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the June 21st edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most core motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 142 of the series. Yes, I am counting last week's abbreviated episode with all the technical issues as episode 141, although this, I suppose, could be episode 141 and a half. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, we will be talking NASCAR, IndyCar, and children's books, as well as seeing whatever other more sports action pops into the conversation. Our first guest this evening is Deborah Hunt, Ph.D., R.N., Associate Professor and Fellow at the New York Academy of Medicine. Dr. Hunt is one of the authors at Waldorf Publishing. Last summer, two of her children's books were released, and this July, she has a picture book, Let's Go to the Zoo with Sam and Sue, an activity book, Kids, Cars, and Fun, Activities for All Ages, and a self-care book that she wrote with her daughter, Essential Oils, Teas, and Self-Care. We recently published an author insight about Dr. Hunt, where we featured the essential oils, teas, and self-care on Palm Beach Happening. You can find that information by searching for Storytime for Grown-Ups Author Spotlight up in the search bar in the upper corner. Tonight, we'll be focusing on the Cars Kids and Fun book, but we'll, of course, be talking about the others in brief. Let's see if this works this week. Stand by one second. We are now happy to welcome Deborah Hunt to the program. How are you doing this evening? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. That's good. It's good to hear you. I'm happy that the uh, that there are fewer technical issues this week. I know there's a couple. There's always a couple. But so, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your experiences as a writer and why you wrote this children's activity book. Great. Thanks so much for inviting me on your show to share my passions and writing journey. I've been writing for most of my life, and my goal was always to publish children's stories. My other goal was to become a nurse, so throughout the years as I continued my nursing education, I had to write multiple papers, which certainly helped me to develop my skills as a writer. I also took many online classes on writing for children. So my professional role and my writing goals intertwined. And in some ways, I believe it was the two streams coming together that led to my success as a writer. I never imagined that I would write nursing books, but that's how I initially became a published writer. However, I never gave up my dreams of becoming a children's author, and I think it was a mix of timing, fate, gaining the confidence that publishing my nursing books gave me, and meeting my amazing publisher, Barbara Terry, that led to the realization of my lifelong dream of becoming a children's author. So, Barbara likes to tell people that I write a book a day, which, although is not accurate, I do write every single day, and I do happen to be a fast writer, but a rather slow editor. And although I'm constantly writing, I never imagined that I would have three books being published this July. But Barbara is clearly a visionary and a force to be reckoned with, and I'm always up for the challenge. I have to be honest, writing an activity book was not really on my radar. But one day, 
Garber called me, and we were brainstorming about future books. I don't remember which one of us suggested it, but the idea quickly took shape, because as a mom of three children who are now grown, and we used to go on many trips, I had to learn ways to entertain, educate, and help make the car rides more enjoyable. Because, inevitably, there would be whining, fighting, poking, and the same question asked over and over again, are we there yet? Are we there yet? (laughs) Which can be very, (laughs) um, you know, distracting to the driver. So, Cars, Kids, and Fun, Activities for All Ages, is based on many of the things I did with my own children and includes ways to prep for the trip, such as making goodie bags with dollar store items, having books and videos, and packing individual snack bags. Fun things to do, such as puzzles, coloring, magnets, bean bags, license plates, tic-tac-toe, and singing songs. And finally, because I'm an educator, educational things, math problems, spelling bees, making up short stories with story starters, finding various trees, and other age-appropriate activities. And I have to say, it was a really fun book to write, and it brought back many fond memories of when my children were younger. Sounds like a pretty interesting book. Let me go ahead and turn you over to my co-host, Michael Mullally, because she has a bunch of nieces and nephews that she likes to entertain quite a bit, and I think she has some good questions for you. Great. Thank you. So my oldest, um, well, not my oldest, but my sister's oldest is 10, and then the youngest one is, I think he just turned 7. Is it a good book that targets, like, um, Yes. um, What am I trying to say? I'm sorry. No, so I guess what you – I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought we had – um. No, you're okay. I, yeah, I thought we had a glitch. Um, so, yeah, the book actually has activities for various ages. Some are just for any age. And then if you um, look at the different ones, like there's uh, spelling bees and there's simple words and complex <laughs> words. And there's various math problems, and so some are a little bit easier and some are harder. Um, there's uh, – Simple songs, there's more complex songs. So all the activities kind of go from simple to a little bit more complex. And if I was wanting this book, where would I be able to get it? So uh, it's coming out July 1st, and right now it's available on the Waldorf website and also on Amazon. Um, And I imagine eventually, as my other books have done, it'll go on to different sites, um, but right now, those are the two main places. And also, uh, Miss Terry from Waldorf, sometimes she does, uh, she has book stands that are in various locations. She also does um, something new now. She's been doing uh, fundraising book fairs, so they'll all be available in those different locations also. So, you know how, like, different. I mean, you see, like, commercials of, like, kids testing juices and stuff. Did you have any kids test out your book? I did not. Only my own kids that are grown now. So I didn't have any uh, younger beta testers. Um, But certainly, you know, these are all the things I had done with my own children um, growing up. And, you know, they're all young adults now. And we went on 
so many, so many car rides, and um, they're all the kind of creative things I developed and devised over the years, and they really worked. I have to say, it used to be kind of almost nightmarish to go on a long car ride because it would you know, get so stressful. And so I just did a lot of research myself, and I prepped, and I made sure that I did all of these things, a lot of them anyway, and then the rides became enjoyable, and the time passed by quickly, and everybody was happy for the most part. So doing some kind of activities and planning in advance is really, really helpful for parents. Um, And even though, you know, certainly younger children um, may find it more difficult, even as kids become, you know, in those 9, 10, and those little preteens and early teens, you know, they still kind of get, <laughs> you know, especially if there's a few, <laughs> they can really start yes. to annoy each other. <laughs> yes, they do. Oh, my goodness. So do you think that if this book really takes off, that there will maybe be a part two in the making? Oh, certainly. If this does, I would um, always be up to doing a part two. That's not something um, that Barbara and I have spoken about yet, but uh, we have a very uh, great relationship, Barbara Terry and I, and so she knows that I really do write quickly. And so if she comes up to me or you know, calls me and says, you know, I'm thinking about this, what do you think, can you do it? I'll usually say, sure, I can do it. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm very blessed that I am able to write quickly. Being a nursing professor, I have um, a lot of flexibility. I only teach a couple of online classes in the summer, so I really devote most of my time to writing um, as much as I can, whenever I can, wherever I can. And to wrap up my questions for the evening, what are some of your favorite activities in the book? So um, I love to sing. <laughs> so definitely, you know, the, the sing-along songs are definitely um, some of my uh, favorites. I also love the license plates. Um, and the trees were something different. I hadn't really done that with my kids before. And I just came up with this as I was writing the book um, because I love nature. And I thought, well, how fun it could be to kind of have these trees and then a parent, I don't have pictures in the book of the trees, but if a parent or caregiver could get those pictures and make a little booklet, then they could see, well, which books, which trees can I find? Um, I also like the beanbag toss because you, I have instructions on how to make your own beanbag, so that's really fun. Um, and magnets, I love magnets, and you can incorporate a science lesson into the magnet, so that's another really fun thing. I know you've worked on and currently you have three books out from, from Waldorf Publishing. What's your next book you're going to be working on for them? Yes, so I have um, the three books coming out. I have two books currently, um, The One-Eyed Pug and Same Inside, Different Outside. And the three books coming out this July is the activity book, um, the Let's Go series. So this is the first one, uh, Let's Go to the Zoo with Sam and Sue. So I'll definitely be working up on the follow following books. Um, And the third one is the essential oil teas and self-care that I wrote with my daughter, uh, Megan, and also there's contributions from my children, so that's really exciting. So the other thing I'm working on um, is the pug book, part two, so that's in progress. And I also have a book which I'm looking for, a home for. It's um, hopefully going to be a series, and it's called Detective Danny, Doggy Dale, and Harry Shoes, and it's um, an act, it's a 
kind of a mystery book, mystery solving book, but for the younger child. Um, so kind of simple mysteries. And um, so I'm hoping, you know, to find a home for that. And I'm also writing a picture book biography. And I, that's in progress still, so I don't have that yet. Cool. Sounds like you have a lot of ideas around there. And it also sounds like you have a, a pretty good career going with the, uh, the publisher. Do you ever think that, that that might actually take over from your, your nursing and professorial duties? You know, I I would love that to happen. I don't think I would ever actually give up all of my nursing, um, but I could certainly work, uh, teach as an adjunct, uh, so that I could just keep, you know, my that passion going. But yeah, I would love to write full time because it really, it just brings me so much joy. So if um, if my career does take off and my books become very popular, um, yeah, I that would be a dream come true for me. Awesome. And I know that the uh, the activity book is based on the traveling you did in your car with your with your kids when they were younger. What was your favorite travel destination? Well, we were always big fans of um, Montauk and Cape Cod. I live in New York, and so those were the biggies. And then sometimes we'd go down to uh, – we never drove to Florida. We felt that would be too much. Um, mm-hmm. But we'd drive down to Virginia, Washington, D.C., um, up to New Hampshire. So we kind of stayed along the East Coast and um, cool. made a lot of trips to Montauk. And it's funny, now – it seems like it's just a snap of my fingers and I'm out there. But when the kids were younger and we'd drive out there, it seemed like it would take forever to get out there. Um, so, but And we'd have to stop a lot. Um, also, we'd go to Vermont, so that was like six hours. That was kind of long. Hmm. Well, wish you but lots of luck in the future, and, and thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. I'm, I apologize for issues we had last week, but I'm happy you were able to come on the show tonight. And thanks again. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on the show, and I'm very uh, grateful for the opportunity. Have a good night. You too. Thanks again. Thanks. Once again, that was Dr. Deborah Hunt, who has a couple books out for uh, from Waldorf Publishing, and her current book that comes out the 1st of July is Cars, Kids, and Fun, Activities for All Ages. So be sure to look that up at, uh, at the Waldorf Publishing website. We're going to be publishing a link to that on the uh, Facebook page, Shortly, I believe we actually published a, a review of her previous book, but we're going to go ahead and put that on there as well. So be sure to check that out and also check it out on Palm Beach Happening. Did you know? Dane Tom Christensen was a late replacement for an injured driver when in 1997 he scored the first of his record nine wins. Two months after winning with Mazda in 1991, Belgian Bertrand Gutschett received a two-month prison sentence for spraying a London taxi driver with CS gas. 3,362 miles is the greatest distance achieved by a winning car, 2010 Audi R15 TDI, Romain Dumas, Timo Bernhard, and Mike Rockenfeller. The number 24 has never, has never run a race as a race number, whereas cars carrying 20, 21, 22, and 23 have. Le Mans was originally placed as a three-year event, whereby competitors had to exceed set distances in three annual 24-hour races. The winner did so by the greatest percentage. And in 1971, Porsche ran a car that was painted pink and outlined cuts of meat in German. It was nicknamed, you guessed it, the Pink Pig. They also had a, a, a throwback to the Pink Pig this year that actually placed really, really well. I believe it was actually in the top two 
I don't have the final results for Le Mans because unfortunately I missed out the end of the race. But I do like to I know do know that Fernando Alonso, Mike Conway, and the rest of the Toyota Gazoo racing team finished in their historic one two finish at the twenty four hours of Le Mans. We look forward to seeing them in person, hopefully next year in Sebring. Our second guest this evening is Jason Majors. This union heavy equipment operator is 33 years old and was born and raised in Puyallup, Washington. He is the current points leader in the Northwest Pro 4 trucks, assisted by crew chief Matthew Ruddy, master mechanic Jerry Buell, and his sister race director Rachel Majors. Majors is a seven-time champion with four trucks, two mini stocks, tours including 2017, and one Stinger 8 championship under his belt. He is the defending winner at Wenatchee Speedway and is preparing to pull double duty next weekend at the Western Roundup. When he isn't at work or at the track, you can find him in the gym and even has competed in two bodybuilding shows last year. He's scheduled to be on the show in roughly 10 minutes. So let's go ahead and take a small break and listen to a selection from Ron Pastana and the pit crew. This is 99 Speedway. Living the 
Once again, that was 99 Speedway by Ron Pastana and the Pit Crew. We are again standing by for our next guest this evening, who should be calling in momentarily. While we're standing by, let's go ahead and and talk a little teeny bit about the line. I know there were some issues at the end of the race, and two of the teams were actually suspended. They had their, uh, their finishes negated because of violations of uh, some of the driving stuff, which wasn't a very good thing. Um, so the number 26 G-Drive Racing and the number 28 TDS Racing have decided to appeal the decision of the stewards pronounced on Monday after the 24 hours of Le Mans in front of the FIA International Court of Appeal. Both teams consider having all times respected the both applicable regulations and have truly been disappointed by the stewards' decision. They now wish to bring forward their arguments in front of the highest FIA court. No further comment will be issued until the procedure is over. Now, it's kind of interesting. I know that the problem was a drive time-related issue, and there are minimum drive times for people who race in the mall. So that's a, uh, and I think that some of that is monitored, and some of it is monitored directly by the teams, and some of it they've got the uh, the little things actually put in as you tap in and out of the car that shows who's driving the car. So I think their argument is that those things didn't necessarily function properly. So it's kind of a... Uh, a uh, an interesting technical technological deal there, and we hope that they figure it out. And our TDS racing has always been very helpful to me at uh, at Speedway Digest. We actually tried to have one of their drivers on here one time, but didn't quite work out. There's a huge time difference, like eight hours time difference. So, but we hope that they work the uh, find the work out the issue they have with the FIA, and they're able to return back to racing next in a couple more weeks. Um, 24-hour race of Le Mans is a totally different animal compared to the rest of the FIA series there in Europe, the uh, European Le Mans series. This year, I think they're calling it the super season. So, But it is a totally different animal, and it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I know that they've they've got a whole lot of different technical issues. They've got the, the issues with the hybrid technology. They just had the issue with the, the new uh, prototypes they're trying to have for 2020. So a lot of good things happening with the FIA in Europe, and hopefully some of that comes over across the pond here. I know there have been discussions between the IMSA and the FIA about maybe trying to unify the series. Um, I know before we actually talked about the fact that the, uh, the NASCAR was for sale, perhaps there's, there have also been a couple of rumors that the FIA was considering a buyout of at least the IMSA section of the, uh, of the France family's interest here in sports car racing. But you never know. There's always a lot of stuff going on. Uh, not all that's good. But at least they're trying to trying to work something out for the future, and we'll see how that goes. So, what can you tell us about the uh, Jason Majors before he gets on the program? Well, I know that he um, he's pretty well liked in Washington. He's actually really well known in Washington. He, without a doubt, is one of the fastest trucks in Washington that I've seen. Um, he's pretty nice. I like how um, we went to Wenatchee and he did win. Um, but I liked how he was, like, interacting with the crowd in the stands. And he's just, I don't know. And he's just, it was kind of a shot in the dark to 
see if you'd come on the program. But, I mean, and you never know, like, what you're going to get, you know. Like, I've messaged some people that are just, like, complete, like, jerks about it as if we're, like, inconveniencing them or something. And it's like, okay. But he's been, like, really good to work with about it. And, you know, he's busy, but he's kept us in the loop. And he's just, I don't know, he seems like a pretty nice guy, actually. Awesome. We look forward to talking to him in five minutes. Let's go ahead and play one more selection from Ron Poisson and the Pit Crew before he comes on the line. Let's go ahead and do short track racing.
once again, that was Short Track Racing from Ron Pasana and the Pit Crew. You can look them up online, search for Ron Pasana and the Pit Crew. I'm sure they'd appreciate you to download their album. It is available for download. I believe it's on iTunes. But there's also a few other different things you can download as, uh, as with other music series, music uh, sites around the Internet. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I'm very happy that they decided to allow us to use their songs, and that's an awesome thing. As I said before, we're standing by for Jason Majors on the program. He's supposed to be calling in momentarily. So we're going ahead and and hold off on for a few minutes for him. Uh, while we're doing that, let's go ahead and and see what we can do here. Hmm. Don't really want to skip ahead in the script too much because we a lot of stuff to discuss about the upcoming week racing weekend. Um, there's racing for Indy Lights going on. There's Pro Mazda racing coming up. Um, all sorts of racing coming up this next weekend in Wisconsin. They'll be racing Indy cars uh, with Indy Lights and all that. Um, NASCAR has a busy weekend this week after having last week off. The, uh, the Cup Series is off last week. Uh, this week they're going to be in uh, So we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the program. Uh, it was a uh, is one of the tracks I actually got to drive by on my my trip to San Francisco a couple of years ago. So it's just outside the wine country, very very close to San Francisco. If you were able to to get there with any any amount of lesser traffic, but actually during the traffic time, it takes like two hours to get there from downtown San Francisco. So that's kind of uh, kind of insane, but that is California traffic. Um, they also had the race this past weekend in Iowa, which was way too hot for uh, for racing. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later in the show. They also have the uh, Camping World Truck Series which will be in Gateway at the uh, the Gateway Motorsports Park there. Um, they'll be there uh, Saturday night at 8.30 p.m. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, again, we... Uh, we had John Hunter Trek on the program about a year, a little more than a year ago now, and he's doing really well in the Camper World Truck Series this season. So we wish him lots of luck with that. And we're standing by for our next guest. So let's go ahead and play one more song from Ron Pisson, the Pit Crew. This will be our last song, at least for this part of the program. And let's find a good one. Since he did win last weekend in Winnipeg, Let's go ahead and play Victory Lane from Ron Pastana and the Pit Crew.
Once again, that was Victory Lane by Ron Pastana and the Pit Crew. And we we thank uh, Jason Majors and direct, congratulate him on his win last week at Wenatchee Speedway. Uh, we're going to move along in the script a little bit. And if he calls in, we'll go ahead and stop and, and carry on his interview this evening. We're hoping he calls in tonight. But if he doesn't, we'll try and reschedule him for a future time. Almost 50 drivers representing 15 different nationalities from all around the globe will convene this week in rural Wisconsin, where all three levels of the Mazda Road Indy stand by Cooper Tires Open Wheel Development Ladder will feature a pair of races in support of the Verizon IndyCar Series Kohler Grand Prix at the historic Road America facility in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. The challenging and undulating 4.014-mile road course marks the halfway point in the season for Indy Lights presented by Cooper Tires, the Pro Mazda Championship presented by Cooper Tires, and the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship powered by Mazda. The Mazda Road to Indy is unique in the world of auto racing, each year providing prizes and scholarships valued at over $3.5 million to enable talented young drivers to progress all the way from the grassroots of the sport to the Verizon IndyCar Series and the Indianapolis 500. There will be a point, point, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to skip that word, moment on Saturday when Indy Lights racer and reigning Pro Mazda champion Victor Franzoni Cases the Pro Mazda race and his Indy Lights, Delara IL-15, tribute to Illinois racer Jeff Green, who tragically lost his life during a vintage event last weekend at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Green became both a close friend and supporter of the Brazilian during their time together at Junco's Racing last year in Pro Mazda. Team principal Ricardo Junco's will give the command to start engine. The opinion of the lights is well proven. No further than 25 of the 33 starters in last month's 102nd Indianapolis 500-mile race had graduated from the top step of the Mazda Road Indy. But in some ways, the series has become a victim of its own success. This year, three drivers, 2017 champion Kyle Kaiser, Matthias Leist, and Zachary Clayman, the medal, and one prominent team, Carlin, which fielded four cars in 2017, have moved on to the Verizon IndyCar Series, leaving a significantly smaller field than usual. Nevertheless, both the quality and level of intensity remain high, as confirmed by a sensational six-car battle for supremacy in the recent free 100 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Second-generation racer Colton Hunter from Valencia, California, emerged narrowly on top at the conclusion of the frantic four-lap race, marking his third consecutive victory for the Andretti Steinbrenner Racing. Herta thereby leads the points table by a slim six-point margin over Andretti Autosport teammate Patricio Pato Award a past guest on the program two times now, and is seeking to follow in the footsteps of his father, Brian Herta, who secured the title in 1993. Fellow Teenager Award from Monterey, Mexico, finished second in Indy, will seek to emulate the form that took him to the top step podium in three of the first four races, while your Ryan Santiago Santi Orishia, third in the championship table for bloody auto racing after finishing second, both in 2016 and 2017, repeat his race victory that he claimed at Road America in 2016. Teammate Aaron Talit from Rice Lake, Wisconsin, also has high expectations after sweeping both races at his home state track in 2016 en route to the Pro Mazda Championship. Franzoni, too, carries some momentum into the weekend after topping the charts during last week's open test. The Mazda Indy Lights Grand Prix of Road America, presented by Cooper Tires, will commence with a 45-minute practice session at 9.15 a.m. on Friday, June 22nd, followed by 30 minutes of qualifying later in the afternoon at 4.55 p.m. to set the grid for race one. 
A second qualifying session for race two will start at 8 a.m. on Saturday. The green flag for race one is set for 12.05 p.m. with race two scheduled for 9.50 a.m. on Sunday, June 24th. All times are... Canadian Parker Thompson has eked out a company lead in his quest for this year's Pro Mazda Championship and a Mazda fellowship worth close to $800,000 to assist in graduation in Elites in 2019. Thompson, who finished second in the 2016 USF 2000 title chase and third in 2017, has been a role since stepping up to Pro Mazda this season with Canadian-based exclusive Autosport. He has finished among the top five in each of the seven races, including successive wins on the Indianapolis GP road course and Lucas Oil Raceway Oval. Thompson's admirable display of pace and consistency has taken him 40 points clear of his nearest challenger, Brazilian Carlos who lies just one point ahead of Junkos racing teammate Rhinus VK from Netherlands. I hope I didn't kill the name of the city too badly. The 17-year-old Dutch prodigy already has an enviable record at Road America after winning both USF 2000 races in 2017 with Paps Racing, on his way to a second in the championship. Other rivals will include a third Junkos Racing entry for your young New Yorker, Robert McGinnis, who finished third in the most recent race at Lucas Oil Raceway, reigning USF 2000 points champion Oliver Askew of Cape Motorsports from Jupiter, Florida, I'd have to look into talking to, but I don't have as many connections with them as I used to. <laughs> Ray had three points to his credit. Stingray Rob from Team Peltry, guy who has a great name for a racer, who just last year claimed the best finish of fourth at Road America, and Chicago's David Malukas of BN Racing, who proved the effectiveness of this new Tatus P- Mazda PM18 by circulating more than 3.5 seconds unofficially inside the existing Pro Mazda track record during last week's open test. A pair of talented Englishmen, Toby Sari, aboard a second BN Racing hiatus, and RP Motorsports Racing Harrison Scott also are expected to shine. Sari, who shined well last year at Barber Motorsports Park during a one-off USF 2000 outing, will be making his Pro Mazda debut following an impressive test last week. While Scott, runaway winner of last year's Euro Formula Open Championship, already has two wins to his name this season. Raul Guzman from Guadalajara, Mexico, who finished third in the 2016 Italian F4 Championship, also set to make his debut in a second RP Motorsports Racing entry. Another one to watch will be rookie Andres Gutierrez out of the Team Pelfrey camp. The Monterey, Mexico native was fourth quickest overall following last week's test. The closely matched field will kick off the long weekend on Thursday, June 21st, today, with a third event practice session at 1.15 p.m., which I believe was streamed online, which you can probably find on YouTube now, followed by qualifying for race one at 4.40 p.m., and then qualifying for race two at 8.40 a.m. on Friday. The pair of 40-minute races, which will compromise, which will comprise the Pro Mazda Grand Prix of Road America, presented by Cooper Tires, will start at 2.20 p.m. on Friday and 2.05 p.m. on Saturday. All times are central daylight time. Rookie Kyle Kirkwood and his Cape Motorsports team have already taken a stronghold on this year's UF, USF 2000 Championship, but are sure to face stiff opposition this week from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin-based past racing. The local team has high hopes of emulating its form from 2017, when rookie Rhinus VK won both races, bringing eventual champion Oliver Skew's sequence of five wins to a screeching halt. All four Pabst cars, driven by Kaylin Frederick from Potomac, Maryland, Brazilian Lucas Cole, Guiana's Calvin Ming, and Sweden's Rasmus Lind were fast in last week's test, 
with Frederick leading the way with lap comfortably inside Askew's existing lap record. Championship leader Kirkwood, who was comfortably quickest on day one of the test, remains confident of being able to maintain or even extend his championship advantage. Alex Barron from Narborn, France, who carries dual French and British citizenship, currently holds second in the points table for Swan RJB Motorsports. His roller coaster campaign has included two wins and two retirements. The wide open nature of this year's USF 2000 title chase is perfectly exemplified by the fact that the drivers from six different teams are represented among the top seven in the points table, with Mexico's Jose Sierra in third place from BEF Sports Racing being pursued by Japanese born Brazilian Igor Fraga, exclusive auto support, the top pair of Lind and Cole and Newman Walks Racing's Darren King. Other station Corey Enders of T-Force Racing, Julian Enders of Team Peltry, and Michael Delando of Team Benek, all of whom posted fast times within the top ten at the recent test. Two new drivers will make their first appearances this weekend. Jacob Abel from Louisville, Kentucky, will drive for his family-owned run team, while Singapore native Dan Frost joins exclusive Autosport after shining in the Southeast Asia Formula 4 Series. The impressive 26-car field will kick off with a half-hour practice session 8 a.m. on Friday, followed by qualifying sessions later in the day at 12.45 p.m. and 5.35 p.m. The first of two races for the Cooper Tire Grand Prix of America, powered by Mazda, will see the green flag at 1.10 p.m. on Saturday, with the second race set for Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Again, all times are Central Daylight Time. Coverage of all three series can be found on series of platforms, including Road to Indy TV, the Road to Indy TV app, and dedicated broadcast channels on demand via Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Roku, and the Xbox One official app. Live streaming and live timing is available on the series' respective websites and IndyCar.com. IndyLights is also featured on the Advanced Auto Parts IndyCar Radio Network, broadcast on Sirius 214, XM209, IndyCar.com, IndyCarRadio.com, and on the IndyCar mobile app. Sunday's Indy Lights race will feature same-day coverage on NBCSN at 10 o'clock p.m. Evening daytime, I think. Early daytime? Eastern Daylight Time. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> George Kurtz, the founder, co-founder of CEO of cybersecurity company Strikes, preparing for his next sprint race with the company branded Audi R8 LMS GT4 in the Rolling Hills, Wisconsin. From June 22nd to 24th, Kurtz and Crown Strike, the official cybersecurity provider of the Pirelli World Challenge, will take advantage of the doubleheader race weekend to the fourth CXO Summit at the challenging Road America track. Security executives will convene upon the charming village near Elkhart Lake important issues in cybersecurity, cheer on Kurtz during his GTS and enjoy superb hospitality during the PwC and IndyCar weekend. In 2017, Kurtz gained valuable points during his ventral PwC GTSA championship at Road America. With two wins there in the Global Morris Group, GMG Racing prepared Claren 570S GT4. This year, he continues his season with GMG Racing with the number four CrowdStrike slash GMG Racing Audi R8 LMS GT4, making it the first time he'll race the Audi at this 14-turn, four-mile course. CrowdStrike will host his fourth weekend-long CXO Summit in Wisconsin, which will be the third gathering of security executives at a PwC event. Previous hospitality events in uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida, and Austin, Texas, were part of CrowdStrike's new standing as the official cybersecurity provider of the Pirelli World Challenge, 
a sponsorship that allows the race series to take advantage of CrowdStrike's cloud-based cybersecurity services and sees the red, white, red and white Falcon logo in a car, driver suit, and race trailer across the entire series. In January, CrowdStrike's race season began at the legendary Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona Race, the season opener for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. In addition to hosting a full weekend of hospitality at CXO Summit Sessions, the company sponsored both United Auto Sports LMP2 cars in their bid for the win in Florida and Kurt's support series race in the Audi R8. It was a spectacular event, and the race weekend CXO Summit has continued all across the country, leading up to its stop in Phoenix, Wisconsin in June. Qualifying for the first of two 50-minute GTSA class races began on Saturday, 23rd at 9.40 a.m. local time. Saturday's race begins at 4.35 p.m. and Sunday's race begins at 2.45 p.m. Details and live race viewing options can be found online at worldchallenge.com. Follow along with George Kurtz and CrowdStrike on social media on Twitter at, at CrowdStrikeRCNG and Instagram at CrowdStrikeRacing. Race videos, photos, and news updates can be found at CrowdStrikeRacing.com. Only one driver in the last decade has won multiple races at the Phoenix Sonoma Raceway Road Course nestled in the hills of California wine country. And Kyle Busch absolutely earned that that impressive distinction, probably expensive too, winning his first race there 10 years ago as a 23-year-old and answering that win with incredible victory three years later. His first of the 2015 season, after missing 11 races with leg injury suffered at Daytona during season opening speed weeks. The Sonoma win was the first to push would score en route to the 2015 Monster Energy NASCAR Sprint Cup Series Championship. And Bush's dog girl Sonoma win in 2008 was the most showing of the last decade. He led 78 of 112 laps. A victory this day in the Toyota State Mart 3.50, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1, PM, Sirius XM Satellite Radio, would get the current championship leader and Joe Gibbs Racing Driver five wins on the 2018 season. His biggest competition of the year, five-time winner Kevin Harvick, is the defending winner Sonoma, capturing his first victory at the track and second road course trophy. He won in Watkins Glen 2006 of his career. Not only have Harvick, Kyle Busch, and two-time race winners Martin Truex Jr. and Clint Boyer established themselves the class of the 2018 season so far. Interestingly, they are also the four most recent winners among active drivers at the Sonoma Raceway and Road Course. Harvick won last year, Busch won in 2015, Truex won in 2013, and Boyer in 2012. Retired drivers Tony Stewart, 2016, and Carl Edwards, 2014, are the only winners in that stand. Oops, I lost my spot. There it is. Among the last 10 Sonoma Raceway winners, Kurt Busch holds the distinction of leading the most laps over the course of his career. The 2011 race winner has led 197 laps and 17 starts at the road course. Since his victory, he has done one finish outside the top 10, 12 in 2014. It's four top fives in the last seven races. Californian Jimmy Johnson, the 2010 Sonoma winner, has had three laps at Sonoma and boasted a healthy string of seven top tens from 2009 to 2015. Kyle Busch has the next best total of 110 laps led with two victories, followed by 2013 winner Martin Truex Jr., who has 92 laps out front. He led the most laps last year, but didn't win. He led 51 laps in his 2013 victory. Of the last six 
six race winners, Kevin Harvick has the fewest number of career total laps at Sonoma with 60. Three times since 2008, the race winner has led at least 70 laps of the 112 scheduled. In his 2008 win, Kurt Busch led 76 in his 2011 win, and Boyer led 71 in his 2012 victory. One of the primary storylines in Northern California this week will undoubtedly be whether NASCAR's young talent breaks out to earn a toast in Sonoma's story victory lane. There's a good cause to believe in the possibility. Both Chevrolet drivers Chase Elliott, 22, and Kyle Larson, 25, have won on the Sonoma course the 2016 and 2014 K&M Pro Series races, respectively, and Elliott won his first ever NASCAR National Series race on a road course, the 2014 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series event at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Eric Jones, 22, has already taken the Sonoma tutorial. The Joe Gibbs Racing Driver revealed last week spending a full day on the course last month, making laps under the guidance of a driving school coach. He was 25th in his Sonoma debut last year, but scored a 10th place finish at Watkins Glen later in the summer. He won the Bowmanville Ontario Camping World Truck Series race in 2015, but did not have a road course top five in NASCAR Xfinity Series competition. Rookies William Byron, 19, and Bubba Wallace, 24, brings some strong reference material as well. Byron, who was ranked 20th in the Monster Energy Series standings, scored a pair of top 10 finishes at the Watkins Glen and Road America Road Course last year in the Xfinity Series, and had 10th place showing at Canadian Horse Horse Park in the Kemper World Truck Series in 2016. Wolf, who was ranked 24th and trails Byron by 30 points in the standings, has four previous road course top 10s as well, three in the Xfinity Series. He was 8th in Mid-Ohio, 5th at Road America in 2015, and 9th in 2016. He's also finished fourth in the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park truck race in 2013. Five positions changed among the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series top 10 point standings following the Michigan race. Four-time race winner Kyle Busch still remains on top. His fourth place finish at Michigan helping him hold a steady and hefty 75-point edge over five-time race winner Kevin Harvick. The Michigan winner, Clint Boyer, moved up position into fifth place in the standings and trails another mover, Brad Kozlowski, in fourth place by only four points. Martin Truex Jr., who won at Pocono two weeks ago, finished a frustrating 18th place at Michigan and dropped him from fourth to sixth place in the championship point standings, but he trails Boyer by only four points. Ryan Blaney's eighth place run in the Irish Hills, coupled with Larson's 28th place finish, meant the two young drivers swapped positions in the standings. Blaney is now in ninth with a 14-point edge over Larson in 10th. As we're running short on time, we're going to jump up a little further ahead in the script here. Let's see. Next week, the uh, next Car Affinity Series returns to Chicagoland Speedway for the Overton 300 at 30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC, MRN, and Sirius XM Network Radio. Sadler and the number one JR Motorsports, JR Motorsports team will be working extra hard to turn the recent skid around. But we tough as Cole Custer and Daniel Hemrick are red hot right now. Custer, seventh, and Hemrick, fourth, both made the series track debuts at Chicago last season, finishing the top ten. But Sadler's experience might give him the environment as he made 15 starts in Chicago, posting one win in 2012, and average favorite finish of 12.1. Let's go ahead and move a little further down. This weekend, the National World Truck Series Racing returns to Gateway Motorsports Park on Saturday the 23rd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. For the Via Lighting, delivers the Eaton 200, presented by 
60k power. That's an interesting race as well. Snyder, Sutton, and Fontaine are all rookies. Todd Gilliland, another NASCAR Cameron Truck Series driver in his rookie year and a past guest on the program, is the one, the only one who has raced at Gateway before. It was his second career race in 2017 where he started fourth and finished 21st because of a transmission issue. This weekend will be his second visit to Gateway Sports Park. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner, or maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport? Contact either Mike Mullally or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at speedwaydigestradionetwork.com. You can now check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of horseports at speedwaydigest.com. We haven't put out many, many this past week, but the other, our, the other authors on speedwaydigest.com have been fairly prolific, so be sure to check that out there. We'd also like to thank uh, thank the, our guests this evening and hope that we can reschedule Jason Majors for a future program. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and Houston, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which can be found by visiting palmbeach.happeningmag.com. We've done a bunch of restaurant views the past few weeks. We're going to have more coming up this weekend. And we hope that you are enjoying our coverage of the uh, our little slice of paradise here. We've got some great stuff going on and some great plans for Palm Beach in the future. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Have a great night. <laughs>